at the summer just applying for jobs, applying for jobs. I probably applied for about 100 jobs. I've been made redundant a few times. And even that word, redundant, it's horrible, isn't it? You are of no use. <laughs> then I went over and grabbed him by the back of the scruff of his top and was pulling him. Today on the Engaging Marketeer podcast, I am speaking to Danielle Clark from Danielle Clark Creative. Uh, Danielle is the epitome of never give up and keep trying to go after the goal that you want to go after. In this interview, Danielle tells me about how she had knockback after knockback, but still kept at it. Whether she's starting in, in early school when she was fighting somebody that she wanted to play with, or whether she's going after the job that she wants to go after and making it happen. Danielle is an example to anybody that wants to go out there and start their own business and do it for themselves, that this is how you do it, this is how you market yourself, this is how you brand yourself, and this is how you make things happen. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm I'm here for it, Darren. Okay, let, let, let's absolutely crack in with it. The way I usually like to start is to delve deeply into your childhood, um, but more in the sense of what, what, what you do for a living. It's kind of it's kind of one of those sort of things that you can't quite put a, a tangible thing on. It's not like yeah. a, you know, like what I call a man job of manufacturing or actually creating something or, you know, the sort of thing that my dad would have wanted me to go into. And I mean, me and you, we've both ended up in airy fairy kind of things that it's often it's hard to explain what people do and people don't understand it. So what what kind of things were you into when you were in school or, or going through college that made you want to go into this area? Well, at school, I. I used to like lots of lessons. Um, I used to love science. Uh, I used to love geography uh, because I loved nature and learning learning about other countries. Um, I loved art, fine art. Um, anything that kind of got me um, away away from the desk and if I was at the desk, but being creative, I was okay. Um, I didn't like maths. I was never very good at maths. Uh, despised maths, actually. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think that was probably the only subject that I didn't really like. But subjects I loved was definitely art, geography, and English, especially um, creative writing. You know, I used to love it if we had to write a story um or if we had to you know do some poetry or something like that I used to absolutely love that um and so when I when I left school and went to college I took geography AS level graphic design AS level geography and English language and literature <laughs> <laughs> because I wasn't sure I wasn't too sure I considered becoming an English teacher yeah. um I considered becoming a fine artist. Uh, I considered doing uh, graphic design. And at the time for me, I, th I thought graphic design meant I'd get to design album covers because that was the, the one thing that kind of really got me into design in that, in that way. I wanted to design album covers because I love music and I love looking at them. Mm. Um, so I thought I'd be doing that or something cool like... Um, skateboards like designing the back <laughs> of skateboards um a bit of tony hawk yeah something like that because i was i was into that sort of music at the time as well mm. i was into a bit of rock and used to borrow my mate's skateboards 
But yeah, so I did my S levels and then um, realised that most artists were poor. Yeah. Um, until, of course, they pass away and then they become really rich and famous. <laughs> Um, unless you're Tracy Emin or Damien Hurst. Um, we're, not, we're not all them, though, are we? Yeah. To, no, to name a few. And then geography, I ended up really disliking geography because the, the teacher sucked the life out of the subject. <laughs> I just went from loving geography to absolutely hating it. It's amazing how um, a bad teacher can ruin your passion for something, isn't it? Yeah, completely. Um and then became less interested in, in English and thought, actually, I think I do really want to pursue graphic design. So I, um, when college, when my S levels were done, I moved into a BTEC national diploma, which is it's like the equivalent of three A levels, mm. um, and went and did solely graphic design. So when, when you were doing this, because I know from my experience when I, when I, I did A-level art in school and my art teacher actually told me at GCSE, don't do A-level art because oh, really? he didn't think I was good enough. Yeah, he, he didn't think I was good enough. I mean, he, he was a typical art teacher, you know, the sort of pot-smoking type art teacher. Oh. But I ended up doing A-level and I went on to do a diploma, got a distinction, and then I went to art school effectively mm. and I've run a web design agency so up yours Mr Lawton um, but yeah what, what sort of support did you get from say family for example because my dad didn't want me doing this sort of thing either he thought I should be doing a proper subject oh my mum was my biggest cheerleader um I remember uh, speaking to my mum I think she'd been watching some sort of documentary and um, I'm pretty sure it was my mum that actually first told me about graphic design. I was probably, I wasn't, I don't think I was even at, at secondary school yet and I found out about it. Uh, or maybe I was at secondary school. Anyway, she'd, she'd seen this documentary and it was, it was about this graphic designer. And she was, um, the thing that stood out at her, to her the most was um how much money this guy was earning <laughs> i remember my mom getting really excited and telling me and at the time she was like i mean he was doing all this amazing design work and he was getting paid like i think he was getting like something like 30k a year um and i'm going back a few years you know and and, and that salary is it's still you know good salary. i think the average salary is about 25 so yeah. he wasn't doing too bad um and yeah, my mum was was really, you know, interest just as interested in it as I was and told me all about it. And she's never ever said to me, Oh, don't go into that career, don't, you know, get a proper job or whatever. You know, I remember at one point I was talking to her about becoming an athlete. Um, because we'd been to town and there was this this guy that was uh, basically busking to raise money so that he could go to the, the Olympics. He was doing all these dances, these like Michael Jackson dances. Oh, and he had this like, yeah, he had this Michael Jackson mask thing. And the way he held it was it had this weird plastic contraption on the back that he bit, that he kept in his mouth while yeah. he did his moves so it didn't fall off. Um and I was really inspired by him, yeah, I know, because, like, I was like, wow, this guy's really cool, like, he's going to the Olympics and 
he gets to dance around and and for a moment I was like mum I think I want to be becoming an athlete and again she was super supportive so yeah what whatever I kind of said that I wanted to do I always have always have had my mum's back in and support so I've, I've been very lucky it's, it's amazing you didn't want to become a dancer because that it's a very horrible confession here I, I used to have a Michael Jackson mask as well <laughs> see you <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive Michael Jackson fan. I've seen him in concert a few times. Uh, yeah. I had a cardboard cutout from one of the shops that I managed to get them to to, to give me, you know, for the, the history tour, the big statue. Mm-hmm. Um, I've still got all of the, the, the 12-inch dolls, the, the the smaller figures. I've got all the picture discs. Uh, no way. I never got an autograph of him. I did drunkenly once buy at auction a framed picture of... Lots of pictures of Michael Jackson in the middle. It's got Jermaine Jackson's autograph. I, I don't know why I bought that. <laughs> so I've got Jermaine's autograph, but I haven't got Michael's autograph. Yeah, it, it, it's close. But I did have a mask as well. And me and my mate used to make lots of Michael Jackson uh, music videos. So uh, he'd do all the dancing and I would do all the filming. Except I did do the jam rap once, you know. You know, from, from the song Jam. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. badly. And I didn't look the part at all. But yeah, massive Michael Jackson fan. So yeah, you you got my interest there. It's, it's amazing you didn't um, want to become a dancer after seeing this guy do that. Well, I mean, I think I think at one point I thought I think you do, especially when you're a kid and you see things that are really inspiring. You go through these phases. Like I remember watching Karate Kid and being like, oh no, I want to do karate. And um, and then when I was older, I remember watching a film called Save the Last Dance and being like, oh my gosh, I want to be a dancer now. <laughs> So you do kind of flitter between, you know, you see something as a kid, you get inspired and you're like, oh, I fancy doing that. Um, but yeah, the design, the art and design thing, the creative side of me is all, has definitely always been there. So so after you, you finished then, you, you got your, your qualifications and you decided you're not going to become a professional athlete. For, for whatever reason, you, you, you knocked <laughs> that dream on the head. What What, yeah. what was your first real break in the industry because it's notoriously difficult to get into and most people who want some sort of graphical or creative work tend to want it from somebody who's young for free yeah um i suppose yeah i remember i used to be a part of an organization called millennium volunteers Hmm. which was based in in birmingham um and it was through them that I got my first bit of real experience working as a designer. Um, I suppose looking back, it was less design and more artwork. But at the time, I didn't really understand what an art worker was, but now I do. Um, and yeah, I, um, I've done all sorts of volunteering, kind of working um, working in charity shops and, and kind of um you know you'd go to places and you you'd tidy up places and you know it could be a community garden or or you know an activity center or something like that but i i remember speaking to to one of the kind of key uh, youth group workers and saying oh, i'd be really interested in getting some experience in design you know is there, is there anything that i can do through millennium volunteers and um um, the lady's name is Claire actually I still I'm still in touch with her on Facebook and she came across um, the medical illustration department at um, a hospital in Birmingham called Heartlands Hospital 
Mm. Um, and they said that they there'd be potential for me to go there um, for however many uh, days and kind of work alongside the medical illustration team. Um, and I didn't even know that the hospital had such a department. I didn't realise a department exi- like that existed at the time. No. Um, so I went along. I remember taking my... I was at college at the time, so I took all my sketchbooks. Um, this was while I was doing my, my BTEC in graphic design. So I think I was probably my third, second or third year. Um, and it was the first kind of interview scenario I'd ever really experienced for that sort of job. So I went in with my sketchbooks and my portfolio and stood up and went through, you know, each kind of board that I'd I'd mounted with like all my final pieces, you know, like a business card, a letterhead, this is the logo I've designed. And then I'd show them the sketchbook for all that with all my ideas, my thoughts and my concepts and stuff. And I was probably uh let's see college so I was probably 17 16 or 17 Mm. um and there were like everyone from the medical illustration department was there sat around this round table and I think it was probably about five five or six people so actually looking back (laughs) pretty pretty intimidating for someone so young but yeah, they obviously they obviously liked me because they they said yeah to me coming in. I think I went, I started going in. Uh, I think it was a couple of times a week, um, and then yeah, it, what what was meant to be a few days lasted longer, and it was was a number of weeks where I was kind of going in and seeing what the art workers do, seeing what the designers do. I got to see what the photographers did as well and like see some of the equipment um it was amazing and so like super valuable um and yeah I, I absolutely loved it so that was my first kind of real taste of getting a bit of experience and like you say it wasn't it wasn't paid it was voluntary so mm. I, I paid for my lunch luckily I had a a bus pass that got me to me from there. It wasn't very far at all from where I lived at the time. Um, and it all worked out uh, really well. Um, and and the work that I did there, you know, I used that in my portfolio when I then went to went and applied to go to university. Um, so it taught me a lot. Right. You know, it, it, it's amazing when I, when I speak to people in the sort of the the creative industry and that everyone's got a story you know like like you just said there where you, you are doing stuff for free effectively you know you yeah. say paying for your own lunch as well it makes me realize how incredibly lucky I was because my my first job out of university was as a web designer for game yeah, I, I don't I, awesome. to this day I don't know how I got that I have no idea because I had no experience I had never even worked for a company I'd never even had a paper round you know, the whole idea of turning up to an office and being there for nine o'clock and then going at five o'clock, I, it was just completely alien to me. And I just got this job at game, designing the game website. So how the hell did that happen? And it's just pure bloody chance. I think it's just luck. It's just luck. I, I, I didn't realise how good it was. Yeah. Speaking of paper rounds, I had a paper round. And you have a paper round? <laughs> <laughs> I did. And Sunday papers were the worst. 
because they were really heavy and really thick. And a lot of the time you have to take them apart to get them through the letterbox. Um, And then sometimes you get people with really old fashioned doors with the tiniest of letterboxes that was at the bottom of the door, not in the middle. So yeah, sun, Sunday paper rounds weren't weren't great fun. Um, but yeah, and then after when I finished uni, I must have applied for probably I probably applied. I spent the summer just applying for jobs, applying for jobs. I probably applied for about hundred jobs. Mm. It, anything that was around, you know, graphic design, junior designer. Um, I think there was, uh, what was it, uh, Office Junior, which was a bit more admin-y. But just anything to kind of get my foot in the door. Um, but actually, you know what, tell a lie. I've just remembered that actually when I was at secondary school, I don't know if you had to do this, but there was a point at secondary school where you had to go and get some work experience for two weeks. Yes, yes, I did have to do that. <laughs> And I remember the school had got me um, work experience in a shop which no longer exists called Quicksave. I remember it well. And I was fuming (laughs) (laughs) because no, you know, no disrespect to to anybody that works in a shop and that works at Quicksave or any other, um, you know, supermarket. But I had no interest in doing that in in stacking shelves for two weeks. That that is all. Like, that is awful work experience to do. That. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what I they were like, thinking with that. Why have you not got me something remotely related to one of my interests, like maybe art or design? Hmm. Like this, you know. So I said to them, right? Can I? Can I? If I find my own within, I think I had about a week to find somewhere. You know, can I change it? And they said, yeah. So I got the, I think I got like the online yellow pages and started looking for um, local, like local design agencies. But the thing that cropped up a lot actually in the yellow pages, it wasn't so much design agencies, it was printers. Hmm. A lot of printers popped up and I, I remember printing them out and getting a pen and getting the phone, which was a landline, my mum's landline. And literally just calling them, telling them I needed two weeks work experience. I was at school. This is what I'm interested in. Can I come? And just making loads and loads and loads of phone calls. And eventually there was a particular printers, um, which I think are still going, uh, Pronto Print. They, they said yes. Um, and I went along and... It was me and two two other guys from another school that were there doing sort of work experience. And they had an, an office in the in the centre of Birmingham and the one kind of on the out, outskirts, which was in Edgebaston. And mm. um, so I was kind of in between the two. And um on the first <laughs> the first day, I remember the two other lads that were there, they got told off. And I think they got told not to come back. <laughs> oh, you don't want that on work experience. Um, they were messing about with the printer, doing something they shouldn't have been doing. And I think they they broke something and like mm. the printer malfunctioned. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure they got told off and told like not to come back. Um, I of course didn't do anything like that. I was extremely well behaved. Of course. 
turned up on time, you know, wanted to help out as much as possible. And um, they actually gave me um, a job. Yeah. I'm pressing that much. Yeah. They gave me, um, I think I was working there for four weeks. Bearing in mind I was still at school because I remember they were asking me for my national insurance number. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't have a national insurance card yet. I'm, I'm not old enough to have one yet. Mm. I think it was like, it, I was going to get it like that June. And this was like probably May or something, April or May. And I hadn't, hadn't got it yet. How old are you when you get your NI number? 16, I think. 16, yeah. yeah. So I was definitely, yeah. So I was 15 then. Um, but they gave me a job anyway. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I was uh, photocopying, binding, taking phone calls, um, doing doing filing, um, going and getting lunch, uh, doing the petty cash. I absolutely loved it. And that was actually my first paid job, you know, in a, in a design environment. No, it's, it's, it's really interesting you say that because it's your first paid job, but you unlike me you just landed on it and got lucky you worked mm. at it you were making calls yeah. and calls and calls to do it because we, we get people calling us here about work experience uh, but it's never the kids themselves doing it it's always either the parents or it's um, teachers or it's somebody else saying that my grandson or something is doing work oh, experience really? we, we, there's never any kid takes initiative themselves to do it they just don't want to do it they don't want to pick up the phone they don't want to speak to people certainly not now it may have Gosh. been different when you were younger because obviously the texting wasn't quite so prevalent and emailing no. wasn't quite prevalent. I don't know. I mean, I remember being young and having a fear of the phone. Like I used to, if mum wasn't, you know, around and it rang, I'd just be like, I'm not picking that up. <laughs> and if I had to phone someone, like if I, even if I had to phone like my nan or my granddad, I'd be like, oh, I don't know what to say. Because you are, you know, you, you are when you're that age you're very conscious of yourself and how you sound and what you say and sounding stupid but yeah I just it was just the the thought of working at Quicksave for two weeks stacking shelves I mean I'm closing my eyes and grimacing as I think about it I was just like I'm not mm. doing that and that was what why I was like I am I am doing the yellow pages I'm picking up the phone and I will call them, and I will find something, and I, and I did, and it, yeah, like you say, it led to a job. Yeah, that's that's great perseverance. I mean, my, my work experience was like the one that you almost had. Unfortunately, I had some really bad advice from my mum because because my mum was not the person to ask for advice on this. And the the one thing she said, well, why don't you put down garage petrol pumps as your first choice because then people might give you tips. Firstly, I'm too young to do that, and secondly. They don't have petrol pump dispenders in dispensers in the UK. That's an American thing. Yeah. So she'd been watching too much Quincy, I think. And then she suggested, well, you like animals. Why don't you put down working with pets? So I thought, I thought okay, what I'll do is I'll put down DIY. No, actually, garden centre. Garden centre I put down because I thought, oh, I'm going to work in the pet department of a garden centre. What I should have put down was pet shop because they put me in the garden department of a DIY store. So I ended up working with plants in Great Mills DIY. And it was the most horrific two weeks of my life. I ended up offending somebody really badly. 
Oh, one one of yeah. one of the ladies that worked there, and I, I just remember her coming in and, and just shouting at me, and I thought, "Oh Christ, is this what works like? I'm not going to like this at all." But luckily, she took the second week off, so that was only for the first week. Okay. I was glad she didn't come back, but yeah, work experience was not for me. I, I really made a made a mess of that. So, you now obviously work for yourself. Yeah. What made you take that horrifically? big leap and decision because it, it is like chucking yourself into a void doing that it is um it was a number of things but the the main thing was because um i i've been made redundant a few times and even that word redundant it's horrible isn't it it's you know you are of no use <laughs> You are no longer needed. Yeah. Like that is what that is what that word means, which is which is horrible. But yeah, I um I um I was working for a, a design a small design agency for for a while, um, and because it was small, there wasn't a lot of room for growth. But also that being said, I definitely got pigeonholed there. Um, when I was ready to grow and take on responsibility, uh, the opportunity wasn't there and wasn't given to me um, because eventually the opportunity did, did arise and it just wasn't it just wasn't going my way. So I, I decided to to move. Why 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 do you think they didn't give you the opportunity? Um, I don't think they they really believed that I was. I was capable. I think because I've I'd come into the the agency at a certain level. I think when it's a small business, sometimes there's that perception that perception of okay, this is where they've come in, and that's where we're going to kind of keep them. This is what we've brought them in to do, and we just want them to do that. Um, I'm I'm an ambitious person. I, I always have been. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I often think that sometimes when you're an ambitious person and you're an ambitious woman, it can be looked at differently um, compared to men that are ambitious. Mm. Um, so I, I think I think that played a part as well because it is a very male-dominated industry. And when I look around at the senior designers, at the creative directors, at the, the heads, you know, they all tend to be men. Yeah. Um, so that definitely plays a part. Um, but yeah, I just, I just wanted more and I wanted to earn more. Um, you know, I wanted, I was, I was, I wanted to get onto the property ladder. You know, that was a big thing at the time. I really wanted my own place and my own space. And, and when you go in and asking for a mortgage in principle or whatever, you know, it, those things depend on what you're earning. So, so that makes you even more ambitious because of, of course you want those, you want those things. Generally most people do. So that's when I say it was a mixture of things really. Um, and I left and, and the job I went into, it wasn't the right environment without going into too much detail. Um, from uh, this is why I tend to listen to my gut a lot more now because my gut was telling me even at the interview 
that the place I was going to wasn't quite right and I didn't listen to it because the salary was really good and I thought like I could really make a difference, make an impact, but um, wasn't wasn't the right culture for me at all. Um, and yeah, it didn't go to plan. So, you know, I got basically made redundant from there, moved to somewhere else and and it was kind of a mixture of I was going to leave but then they said they also said that it wasn't working out and it was kind of a mutual thing but I kind of got made redundant from there as well and I started to really doubt myself and doubt my skills and yeah. it affected my confidence and it was a really really tough time and then I moved somewhere else and it was incredible um probably the best team I've ever worked in and along alongside um and that company got into financial difficulty like so many companies have recently and that company went under um moved somewhere else um started off well was working with some extremely creative young minds very passionate um again that didn't go to plan they got into financial difficulty and it was a case of uh last one in first one out and i was the last one in so yeah got made redundant from there so it's it's happened a fair few times and then i got a really good role working um for next uh working on the next directory catalog that was a maternity cover um and i remember telling some friends that, that that opportunity had arose and and but it wasn't permanent so i was umming and ahhing about whether i should take it because I was always very much, oh, if it's a permanent job, it's secure. But all of these other jobs were supposed to be permanent and they weren't secure. So yeah. clearly I hadn't, I hadn't, my mindset hadn't quite changed at that point. And they were all saying, oh my gosh, you've got a job interview at Next. Because apparently it's really hard to get into Next, in, into the, you know, the head office, especially in design. And I was like, oh, okay, it's got a good reputation. And they're all like, yeah, like you should totally go for it. <laughs> so I did and I got it and I absolutely loved it. And then COVID came along and I was like, yeah. hmm, I just got tired. Ultimately, I got tired of not being in control and not knowing what was going to happen. You know, the shock, having these shocks you know companies going under companies getting into financial difficulty you know going to a company and the culture not being right you know not being aligned then not being aligned with my values you know and one of them is integrity and, and i really mean that you know things like that and just being like i'm not in control of any of this and it's really doing my head in why don't i just i've got it within me i know i have because i had side projects I had you know what it's like when you're in design you know your mum your mum's friend's brother whatever finds out oh can you do us can you do us a website Darren can you do us a logo Danielle you know mm -hmm. so I had side projects going on and I just thought other people are doing it you know my partner's self-employed and he was a big inspiration for me um, he fits bathrooms, completely different fields, but but seeing him working and seeing him making it successful and being his own boss, I was very much, I, I know I can do this. So I, I just decided to do it and go for it. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, what you're saying there about the, the redundancy, following redundancy, the, the big thing that people always say about the fear about going into a business for yourself is that what if your business fails? What if you end up failing and, and not, you know, your business goes under and you have to go and get a job? And it, I've always said, you know, whether you're employed or whether you run your own business, the business could fail either way. Yeah. But at least if you run your own business, you're in charge of your own destiny. If it fails, it's on you. It's not on yeah. some other person's mistake or some other person's whim to decide that you're not right for their company. They're going to get rid. Your face doesn't fit. They're going to get rid. You're not the sort of person they're going to trust to move up the corporate ladder. They're going to get rid. It's all about you and your own desire and your own determination to make it work. And You've already shown when you were in school that you've got determination to do what you want to do and make it work. So you should yes. have, you should have had absolute confidence in yourself that your business was going to work because you get you make things happen. You make things happen from an early age. Yeah, that's yeah. It's 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 a very very good point, and um, I've just remembered uh, a time a time before that when I made something happen. Actually, um, I was at primary school. Oh, that's going right back to making it happen. Go on. <laughs> yeah. What did you I do at primary school? school? Who, who did you push out the sandpit to get hold of it? <laughs> Didn't push anyone. What do you have? What I mean, is this how I come across? Is no, no, no. I, 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 I jest. I jest. <laughs> you know what? You're probably not not far wrong. I was quite, um, um, what's the word? Overzealous. Um, I remember my mum telling me a story of, of a time when we were in a waiting room and I was playing on one of those mats that's got the road printed on with some cars and stuff and I there was another used, kid. used to love them. And um, I wanted this other kid to play with me. I think I was probably three and I think he was five. He was a bit older than me, four or five. And I wanted him to play and he didn't want to play. And my mum said I went over and grabbed him by the back of the scruff of his top and was pulling him to play and he just started crying. <laughs> and my mum and his mum were just sat there watching, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's making it happen. Yeah, I just wanted to make it happen. But, um, yeah, so at school, um, I remember... Whenever the school was fundraising or needed money for something, you'd get a letter home saying, oh, we need money for such and such. Can you, you know, we're looking for donations. And my mum was a single parent and we didn't, we didn't have much. So I used to hate going home with these letters because I really, I never wanted to ask my mum for money because I, I know, you know, I know that things were tough. Anyway, you know, I mentioned it to her and, and I started thinking, gosh, wouldn't it be good if there was another way we could try and raise money and I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel so, like, rubbish about asking my mum. So I had this idea of doing a school magazine. And so I went to my teacher, told them what I wanted to do, said that I would organise it all, <laughs> do all the work. Um, and I'd pick, you know, I'd pick some some of my friends, basically, to, to help me to put it together. Somehow the teacher said yes. Bearing in mind I was probably, I was probably about eight at the time. So very young. Mm. Teacher said yes. 
I got my friends together. I think, I'm trying to think. Yeah, like one of us, I, I'm pretty sure I did the front page, of course. Of course. It was my of idea. Course, naturally. Um, yeah, we all had A4 sheets of paper and marker pens and stuff. And, you know, someone did a joke page. Someone did, um, someone did, drew like a superhero type thing and made it a colouring in page. We had like um, rhymes and riddles in there and and quizzes and things. We just we just made it up and we drew it all on A4 pieces of paper. Got the teacher to photocopy the pages for us, stapled them together, went out into the playground at the end of school, end of the day, and was selling them in the playground for twenty p each. <laughs> And we, I, I can't remember how much money we made, but, but parents were buying them. Um, you know, my mum bought one, um, but loads of other parents were buying one. And, and yeah, and, and the money that we raised, you know, we, we gave it gave it to the school. So that is, that is the first memory I have of having a problem you know, which was raising money and, and not feeling like I had the means to do it, not wanting to ask my mum, you know, coming up with a solution, bringing like-minded people together, you know, my friends, my mates, getting them, getting all their creativity out, you know, no one was, no one was scared about drawing, no one was scared how it was going to look because I was kind of at the forefront of that, encouraging everyone, being like, oh, we can do this, we can do this, it's going to be really great. And we produced, you know, a magazine and and it, we sold it. And the buzz and the energy, you know, the support from the teachers, them letting us do this in, in school time, you know, using the photocopier. I don't know how I managed to <laughs> convince them, but I did. And that feeling of bringing people together and, and, and using creativity in that way, mm-hmm. That was the first time that ever happened. And I think if I'm honest, that's that's the real reason I do what I do today. And it, 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 had you realised that before until we, we just mentioned that, until we discussed it? Have we, um, have we had like a really big breakthrough here that we've just found your why? I have I have touched on it with my business coach oh, because, because right. they ask those sorts of questions. I was going to take credit for that then. <laughs> Sorry, Darren. <laughs> Well, this is the first time. I don't. I, I, it's funny because you kind of you have these conversations, but then you forget. And this is the first time I've actually, you know, spoken about it to someone else. And obviously, mm-hmm. loads of people are now now going to hear this. But um, thousands, yeah, thousands, think, yeah, of course, thousands, thousands. Number one in marketing, by the way, we launched at number one in marketing last week. Woo! Mm, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Not bad. Please well done. Please with that. So you should be. That's a fantastic yeah. achievement. And why wouldn't it be? You know exactly. Why, 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 great. It's a great podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. So as you say, you did that through creativity. So what yeah. you do is creative. So you're solving problems creatively. You you created your business to be creative, and now you're doing creative things for for other clients. So what what sort yeah. of stuff are you doing for clients that you you really enjoy doing that you enjoy getting your teeth into? Well, the stuff, there's a project I'm working on right now, which is for um, a, uh, he's my 
coach in that he got me out of pain um, and he gets lots of people out of pain, especially people that sit at desks all day or people that are... Oh, you mean phys- physical pain? Physical, physical pain. pain, yeah, physical mm. pain. Um, I had re- I, I twisted my knee really badly some years ago playing hockey and it was never, ever the same having seen physios and, and doctors and things and um, it got to the point where I was in pain even if I wasn't moving. So just being sat at the desk... Mm. My knee would seize up and I'd get shooting pains and it was it was horrendous. Um, and then I discovered James on through a mutual connection and then started following him on LinkedIn and we just got talking and I started working with him. He started coaching me and giving me all these exercises, some of which I was quite dubious about to start off with. <laughs> um, but roll on. How long have I been working with him now? I don't know, maybe a year. I'm not in pain anymore. I don't get knee pain anymore. Like the, the guy's completely changed, genuinely changed my life. And so at the moment, I'm working with him on his rebrand. Um, we've done some brand strategy together because um, before I do logos, I make sure that, that the brand is actually sound in that the the person understands like like we touched on what their why is, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. Is their message clear? Uh, what are their what are their values? Who's our ideal customer? You know, all those things are like super important before you start looking at visuals, because without that, how can you make visuals to, to communicate to people when you don't know who they are? And, and how you're going to attract them. Yeah, 100%. So we did loads of, um, you know, workshops in and around that and we got his messaging sorted. And now he calls himself the body fix coach because that is ultimately what he does. Um, so now I'm working on his brand identity. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to be working on, um, yeah, just getting that consistent and, and I've been doing my maps and doing those as sketches and doodles. And I'm looking forward to, to showing him what, what I've come up with, really. Um, but, yeah, being able to work with someone like James, someone that I know does have a genuine impact on people's lives. He genuinely helps people. He's improved my life. You know, I want to help him. I want to help him build a better brand so that he can reach hundreds, if not thousands, more people. Mm. So we can ha- he can help them. Um, so yeah, super super excited about working with him, and I just want to work with more people like that. Really, more people that want to help other people, especially in around health and 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 well being, because um, I just. I really care about them. I really care about people. Um, and if I can, if I can use my creativity to help improve other people's lives, even if that's indirectly, then I'm I'm kind of all for that. Yeah, it, it, it's important as well as, as as the way you talk about him that you know that he is the, the the people you're working with are really good at what they do. It makes it so much easier to work on a brand and an identity and a message and a, and a website and, and content for somebody if they are good at what they do. Yeah. That's absolutely oh, totally. Critical. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm up to at the moment. Um, yeah, um, James is patiently waiting for me. <laughs> I was waiting for you now. No. Oh, um, I was just going to say to get I thought, it done. All oh, right. I thought, oh, heck, we're on. We're on the clock. We're on the clock. No, no, no. To get it done. Um, but it's it's coming, and it's it's going to be awesome. Um, um, and yeah, once it's done, he can use it across. You know, all his kind of not just his website and his LinkedIn and stuff, but, you know, the, the vision, I hope I'm not revealing too much, James. <laughs> um, you know, he's in the future, you know, he's touched on having his own app and, um, you know, really pushing the brand. Um, so he's got real ownership on it because what he does is I've, I don't know anyone else that does what he does. And, and having been in pain for years, I didn't think he was going to be able to help me. Um, and when I tell people, they're like, who is this man? <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's great when people are desperate to know who he is because they know how he's helped you. And if you've had yeah, personal absolutely. experience of somebody, it does make it so much easier to work with yeah. them because you know what they do. Yeah. And you do find is is I, I used to think that getting older meant that pains would arrive because of getting older. But what I've realised through working with James is just because you're getting old doesn't mean that your body should be in pain. Your body's in pain because something's going wrong. Mm. So you need to listen to it. And that, you know, that happens across the board, be it people saying, you know, that they're getting headaches all the time or, or my back hurts or, oh, it's because I'm getting old. Actually, it's not. There's something going on in your, in your body that you're not addressing. So, and that's, that's been, you know, he's changed. I've really learned a lot from him about that. And, and that's why I care so much about looking after myself, especially as a business owner, because if touch wood, something happens, it, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to be around, right? Cause it's your business. It's your, it's your, it's your baby. So when yeah. you run your own business, it, it makes you realise just how important being healthy is. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the, the best example of, of, of health. I, I drink way, way, and I think it needs a third way, way too much. Mm. Um, but you, no, you're right. When What people often don't realise is about going into business for themselves, and they look at business owners and they think, wow, you can take holidays whenever you want. You can take the day off whenever you want. You know, you, you can go in at 10 or 11 o'clock and then knock off at three it's it's easy isn't it it's like yeah that's that's exactly what it is yeah i, I, I just disappear for four weeks and everything's fine except yeah. that you know you do that and you're not doing anything you're not working you're not earning you know until you've actually built up a team of people yeah. to take the responsibility on when you're starting a business you are the business and you tend to be working seven in the morning till nine at night you're working saturdays you're working sundays there is no time off. You cannot take holidays because if you do, you're not earning any money. And people never mm. see that. They just see the business owner. They can swan in when they want. They can do what they like. I wish I could fire the boss and then just not turn up for work. Yeah, well, then you won't get paid, mate. Then you won't get paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, now I'm on the other side. I understand it a lot more. Like I say, my, my partner was self-employed whilst I was employed mm. and you know, you talk about long hours and working weekends and stuff, you know, that was him. Um, and I used to kind of wonder, 
wonder why a little bit and wonder why you couldn't just finish earlier and not work on a Saturday and mm. you know why why you why are you in front of your laptop on a Sunday doing quotes and it used to really frustrate me um but now I'm self-employed I get it yeah yeah a, a, a partner is often very helpful in being supportive as well if you get a partner that understands it then it's a real big asset when you're you're in business for yourself but if you get yeah. a partner that's like where is he well, why hasn't he going to work? Why, why are you having to do that now? Why are you, then it, it makes it far more difficult. It's, it's, it's possibly a reason why a lot of businesses or a lot of entrepreneurs or solopreneurs end up failing because they don't get the support at home that th- to, to basically help them make it work because you, you, yeah. need, you need support behind you. You cannot do it alone 24-7. You need somebody there. You need a support network there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, when I think about it, although... You know, you talked about having a team, you know, I I want to have a team eventually, but in a way I kind of already do have a team, you know, I have my partner, I have my business coach, I have other people that I, you know, I use for, you know, copywriting or photography, you know, mm. uh, people that I trust that are pulling to help me on projects. So in a way I do, although it's, me it's not there's lots of other people involved as well it's just not official and the faces just aren't on the website <laughs> mm. no that, that that is important as well to have people you can rely on to do something because there's, there's too many people go into business for themselves particularly in the creative industry and they try and do everything they try you know, they'll, they'll try and do the photography they'll try and do the copywriting they'll try and do the the photoshop work or the illustrator work they'll try and do the meetings they'll try and do the admin and the invoicing and you just end up getting into this vicious spiral and you just make yourself ill. Yeah. You make, something usually gets left out and it's quite often either the invoicing or the chasing of payments or the actual looking for new work. Because I, I, I did go freelance for a while uh, after I left game. I was living at home, I went freelance, I was getting websites in and I had that typical spiral that all freelancers go through where you've got loads of work on, you're really, really busy, you haven't got time to do anything and then suddenly all the work has stopped and you haven't been looking for new work, and you've got this lull of nothing happening. And then you've also got this lull of the work I've just done, I need to get paid for. Yeah. But the people are, I, who I've done the work for, they've been a little bit slow with the payments. And it's like, well, mm. this, this, mor- this mortgage isn't going to pay itself, unfortunately. Mm. I wish it would. Mm. So you then have to chase that. That is the problem with freelancers. And I, I, I've often thought that, particularly with trades, because you, you mentioned your partner being self-employed bathroom fitter, it's really difficult for trades because they're always busy, 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 busy but they have to spend a lot of time quoting, which is yeah. obviously unpaid. Yeah. I mean, a lot of time when they're quoting, somebody just wants the cheapest price, so they'll get three or four people in to quote for the bathroom when they'll pick the one that says they'll do it the cheapest. So you're quoting a lot of work and you're not getting paid for that, and then you're ending up having to chase payments for stuff, and you're ending up having to look for more work, but you can't do it because you're, you're too busy working in the first place. It's always the invoices and the quoting that slows everything down from that. Yeah, there, definitely. There, there's there's got to be some sort of service, and this is like a mad business idea I had, actually. There's got to be some mm. sort of ber- service from somebody that's, that's like super organized that can do this for trades and do the quoting, do the measuring, and, and do the invoice and all the paperwork for them so they don't have to do it themselves. They can just get on with the bit that they're really good at which is yeah. fitting the bathrooms or wiring up the houses for electric. Yeah, I think, yeah, it is, again, and, and I suppose that's the thing, like, when you do, if you do want to grow, you know, you could always 
take someone on that does that bit, you know, they'll probably become mm. the sales, you know, the salesperson because that is ultimately the, the, the sales bit. Um, but I think it's it's difficult because you are, you do end up being lots of different people when you're self-employed. Mm. Um, I think it just depends. I think what I've learned really is just about having, getting a balance, like knowing when you really do need to take a break and understanding that there's always going to be something that needs to be done. There's always going to be, you know, if things are going well. There's always going to be quotes to do. There's always going to be emails to answer. There's always going to be work to do. And it doesn't matter how long you work and how much you do at the end of the day, there's still stuff to do. Right. Mm. So unless you're just going to work forever and never take a break, what's the work's still going to be there. Right. So I've, I've got to the point now where I, I do practice like looking after myself and taking breaks when I need to alongside working hard because can't just work constantly forever and burn myself out it's it's not going to make me happy um and i notice that when that's happening because i get snappy and more agitated <laughs> so you know it's, it's it's not good for it's not good for anyone i think it's okay to do it sometimes especially if you enjoy what you do mm. you know i love what i do i love working with with brands and helping to create better ones and and you know, I love talking to people. I don't get bored doing my job. And there's times where I want to work harder and I want to work late into the night because I'm in a bit of a flow or I've got a deadline and I've just got to get it done. And I think that's okay sometimes, but not all the time. You know, bank holiday weekends coming up. I'm I'm gonna take the weekend off and the Monday. And my partner is as well. He didn't take off the last one, but we are and I'm gonna go and see my granddad and I'm I'm gonna make the most of a bank holiday weekend. Yes, I could be doing work, but not this time around. See, see I didn't take the Easter weekend off. I ended up working on the Friday because I had to I can't remember I was, I was in here all day putting a presentation together. Mm. And on the Monday we had to have a, a director's meeting, so I, I didn't I did have either know. of them. I think it was it was So terrible. are you gonna take this Monday off? Uh, is it this, is it this Monday coming? Yeah, so I don't even know. So I don't weekend. even know. I know. I I had to. I only knew because someone mentioned it to me, and then I had to put it in my calendar. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. Another thing, when you're self-employed, you don't necessarily pay attention to bank no. holidays. No, and you things. don't, because they they get in the way. They yeah. get in the way. Um, but on this occasion, um, yeah, it's an excuse <laughs> to take it off. <laughs> have a long weekend it does sound like a good idea because we wouldn't want you getting snappy and then dragging your partner to the the mat with the cars because you wanted to make him play with you on the road map that 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 you don't want him doing that you know you don't do that no no all work and no play it's not not a good idea okay so you you obviously run a podcast as well Yes, you run a I podcast do. as well. What was your 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 reasoning for for doing that? Because obviously, I'm doing it for just purely ego reasons. But but what, <laughs> what, I want everybody to hear me, and I. I well, just... one of the things you talked about is you know when you said that often we creatives we don't we don't market ourselves mm. because we get so busy with work and we're doing work, doing work, doing work. Because we're doing work, we're not marketing. 
And then when it's quiet, we go, oh, crap, I've yeah. not been marketing, now I'm quiet. I thought to myself, I'm, I'm, I don't practice what I preach. I'm very inconsistent on social media. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm very inconsistent with the blog that I started. Um, I'm very inconsistent with my email marketing. Again, it's because it's just me and I do put my clients first. But one thing I do love doing is talking. Mm. So I thought to myself, if I do a podcast, it's going to be really easy for me to sit and have a chat with someone for an hour because that was one of the things that used to always come up in my school report. <laughs> Danielle is great but tends to chat a bit too much. And... I thought it's a great way of reaching people whenever they're ready. Um, people listen to podcasts, doing the washing up, driving to work, in the shower. Like you, you can, you can listen to this wherever, mm. whenever. And as I'm talking now, whoever is listening, it's as though I'm talking directly to them, isn't it? Yeah. I'm talking to you, listener. Mm. It's very, very personal. Yeah, um, even if you're sat on the toilet or in the shower, we're talking to you. Talking to you. Ugh, um, why did you do that? Don't do that. Don't put that there. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty swine. Put it down. Hmm. I thought, okay, yeah, I'm I'm up for this podcasting. You know, I've always wanted to do one. I love talking. Once I do an episode, it's going to be there forever. People can listen to it whenever. And... You know, people can find me and it's like I'm I'm marketing myself and giving creating a platform for people that I care about to come on mm. and share their stories. People people's stories that I think will help others as well. And what what's been your favourite episode so far? Don't worry, you don't have to say mine, that's absolutely fine. You <laughs> other other than mine, obviously, what's been your favourite episode? Oh gosh. It's that is so it's such a difficult question because I know I've got, you're gonna offend somebody now, aren't you? Yeah. No, but I've got a like I've got a genuine connection with everybody that I've interviewed. Mm. Um I think the one gosh, I learnt so much from Matt Davis, the brand strategy guy. He was pretty awesome. He was we were talking a lot how brand people say brand isn't fluff. And Brandy's fluff, sorry, people say Brandy's fluff, and it's usually accountants. Yeah, we had some really good chat. But the one that probably resonated the most with me was probably the talk that I did with Natalia, who's Chaya Soul. She started her own business. She started a yoga studio. Mm. And the reason that she started it came from her having a near-death experience. She got super, super ill to the point where she genuinely, she thought that that was it. Mm -hmm. um, I won't spoil it in case someone goes, you know, to listen. But it was that, that that led her on the path to basically building her own yoga practice. And, yeah, really inspiring. Wow. And, and just yeah. so, so everybody knows, what, what's the name of the podcast and where can they find it? So the podcast is called build better brands uh with me danielle clark and you can find it wherever you listen and stream to podcasts be it spotify itunes audible etc 
um, yeah, give, give it a listen. Let me know, let me know what you think. And um, hopefully people have enjoyed this episode of your podcast. I'm sure they've absolutely thoroughly loved it. Thank you very much for being on. I, I really appreciate you you doing this for me. And as as a final thing, if, if somebody wants to contact you because they want to work with you, or they want to they want to chat with you, or they want to possibly appear on your podcast, how can somebody get hold of you? Uh, best way to get hold of me is um, on LinkedIn, probably because I'm on there quite a lot. So you can find me on there, Danielle Clark, or you can find. Uh, my company, Danielle Clark Creative, as well. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. So, yeah, just search for Danielle Clark Creative. Okay, thank you very much. I'm sure everybody will be rushing there now and certainly to listen to your <laughs> podcast because they want to they kind of want to know how that story ends. <laughs> you told yes. ends, ends, ends pleasantly, but they want to know why. How does it end? What, yeah. what actually happens? So, Daniel, thank you very much for being on here. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure, pleasure speaking with you. Oh!